Hey, hey, you were listening to JC Talks, a podcast about life, leadership, and human flourishing. My guiding philosophy is simple. What you can be, you must be. Abraham Maslow. The purpose of this podcast is to help you live an all-in life, be an all-in leader, and lead all-in teams and organizations. I'm your host, JC Hurtado. Pray to yours truly, and I'm so grateful you joined me uh, today for a few moments. Uh, we're talking this week about long-term thinking, long-term thinking. We read an article the other day, and so I've got another article for us today. And this one comes from Wharton, uh, the Institute of Executive Education. And I can't, let me see if I can make this larger, okay. Wharton Oresti, I might be saying that wrong, Institute of Executive Education, okay. And so they've got this article, it was, it it came out in 2018 and it's called long-term thinking is your best short-term strategy. That's great. It's a great name of an article. So let's read a little bit because they're talking about this idea of nano tools. I've never heard this before. So let's read and see what nano tools are. And then we'll jump into the article nano tools for leaders. And it says it's registered. Okay. So this must be a product are fast, effective leadership tools that you can learn and start using in less than 15 minutes with the potential to significantly significantly impact your success as a leader and the engagement and productivity of the people you lead. So there you go. Okay, so let's come down here and they've got uh, written out the goal. Okay, so this is the goal. Um, it's not necessarily the goal of the article, but it's the goal for you. Here goes. Instead of focusing solely on quarterly goals, create and execute long-term strategies that will create solid growth, more jobs and better rewards for shareholders. So there's the goal right there. Okay. Instead of focus, focusing on quarterly goals, this is going to be hard for publicly traded companies. Okay. But instead of focusing on that, create, execute long-term strategies to create solid growth, more jobs and better rewards for shareholders. So let's see what they have to say about this. This is Wharton. Uh, this is at the University of Pennsylvania. So this is obviously a great, uh, great school. So let's see what they have to say. Here's the nano tool. Most CEOs are under enormous pressure to focus on next quarter earnings from a number of sources, including institutional and activist investors, and even their own boards and executive teams. The result, cutting R&D, research and development, capital improvements, wages, and their workforce in order to meet the quarterly goals. And that's something. And that is so true. Those are the things that get cut. People, money for people, right? improvements that might help bring more morale for people, research and development. Obviously, that has more to do with product than it has to do with people, but you get the idea. But there's a growing evidence that long-term thinking pays off much better in the, in the long run. Solid long-term strategies executed well help businesses leapfrog the competition, create jobs, build public trust, improve the environment, and richly reward shareholders. But there's always a butt in there, but there are many ways to go long. Different industries have different time horizons and CEOs have their own distinct value systems and approaches. Some try to build sustainable organizations that aim to alleviate poverty, improve public health, or reduce their company's carbon footprint. But despite these differences, 
four broad basic principles can be used by any CEO who wishes to adopt a long game. So here we go. This is what we're going to talk about. Consider the four steps below to help push back against or even ignore some of the pressure to focus on the short term. Never selling out the next decade in favor of next week. That is brilliant. Never selling out the next decade in favor of next week. And how often do we do that? How often do we do that in our personal lives? How often do we do this in our organizational lives as well? And maybe your professional lives as well. So here are the action steps. Okay. These are nano tools. And then it's going to give us uh, three different examples down here below. So let's go. Here are the action steps. Number one, create a purpose for your organization that is greater than just profits. The purpose must motivate employees by helping them contribute to the company's success, feel like their jobs have meaning, and understand they are part of something bigger than themselves. That's huge. I was reading an article about someone the other day who said they actually gave up their, their consulting job. I think it was a consulting job. It was marketing, marketing and strategy, but they're working on their own and they were making decent, okay money. But they said, I need to go work for a company because I want to work for something that's bigger than myself. I thought that was, uh, number one, very self-aware of this person. But I also thought it's, it, it, uh, this same mentality runs within our workforce today. People want to be a part, especially these millennials, that want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. The CEO then has to find ways to communicate that purpose and win over both internal and external constituencies. You will have that as a leader, especially if you're a CEO of a company. You've got your internal constituencies. You've got your employees, right? You've got your leaders. You've got your managers. Uh, and then you've got your external. You've got the stakeholders. You've got the customers. Customers, you've got the clients, right? All of these are important. So you've got to be able to communicate that purpose to all of these constituencies, right? Internal and external. How much fun would that be? That's great. And imagine if you can get everybody on board. Uh, you know, more people want to buy your product. They want to tell more people about your product because of what you're doing in the world. And then you're attracting great, uh, uh, great employees, uh, great managers, great leaders, because they want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. It's just a win-win situation, but you've got to create that purpose that is greater than just profits. Profits are important, right? Money, whether we like it or not, is what makes the world go round. There is no business and no nonprofit that I know of out there that would say it's not about the money. If they're saying that, they're going to be out of business uh, shortly, right? It is always about the money. But can we make it about something greater than the money as well? Number two is this. Translate that purpose into a long-term business strategy and then get strong buy-in from your board and investors. That makes sense. Number three, formulate metrics beyond EPS and near-term financial performance that help directors and investors understand whether the business is making progress on its long-term goals. So again, metrics okay, beyond your uh, quarterly results. That's what you need, right? Are you making progress on the long-term goals? And number four, foster a culture that focuses on long-term profitable growth to make sure your long-term strategy is well executed. In the last episode, I talked about Coke Industries. I'm reading a great deal about them. Now, I don't know what their culture really is like. I only listen to what the CEO says, but one of the things he gets most excited about is when he talks about this idea of you know, the culture that they've built, this long-term strategy. And part of it, when you have a long-term strategy, uh, you focus on long-term growth. And so they have created this, this culture of entrepreneurialism where they're asking all of their people to be out looking for uh, strategies to grow. And what that means is they're looking for opportunities, companies that can be purchased. So that will increase the bottom line, increase the growth of Coke Industries. And 
they're very proud because when they get ready to make a purchase of another company or a division of another company, they're consistently looking at the long-term strategy attached to that uh, to that purchase. There's actually a story in the book, Cokeland, K-O-C-H-L-A-N-D, where they're up against another uh, company. Excuse me. And I believe that this is when they were trying to buy Georgia Pacific. They were up against another large uh, corporation. And this other corporation was a publicly traded company. And so they lived and died by the quarterly earning statements. So they were up against them, but they were able to win out because they had this long-term strategy. They're not worried about quarterly. They're thinking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years down the road, will this pay off for investors? And the reality is that that the purchase they were getting ready to make would not have had immediate payoffs, but long-term for sure. And so the other company had to walk away because they said, number one, we can't afford this this price. And number two, it's not going to provide immediate satisfaction to our shareholders. So a culture that focuses on long-term profitable growth to make sure your long-term strategy is well executed. Now, let's look at four examples about how leaders are doing this. First example, in 2014, uh, three examples, I'm sorry, three examples. In 2014, CBS Health CEO, maybe you've been to CBS, I sure have. Uh, Larry Merlot banned cigarette sales in the company's seven, uh, 7,600 stores to better align with its mission to help people on their path to better help. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And I'm not against cigarettes, okay? Uh, uh, cigarette sales. I'm not against those, but I'm saying that when a company is a health store and yet right behind the counter, they're selling a bunch of cigarettes, it seems like, you know, and cigarettes have been proven to cause cancer, right? It seems like there's a juxtaposition there. This CEO, Larry Merlot, said, we're not going to do this anymore. Now, here's, here are the consequences of his decision. The move cost the company $2 billion a year in revenue and a 7% drop in its stock price the day the decision was announced. Again, short-term thinking. But Merlot had already secured buy-in from his executive team and the board after sharing his tobacco-free long-term strategy. He also communicated a clear message about the benefits of the move, including creating new referral partnerships with health systems across the country, creating a sense of pride in CVS employees and attracting and retaining better talent. Now, we'd have to go back and look and see how has this worked out. We're now in 2022, and this was 2014, so this is um, about eight years ago. So, and I think I just read recently in the last six months that they're, they're, they're closing down a bunch of CVS uh, stores. So maybe this didn't work out as well as they thought it was going to work out. Maybe they didn't do a great enough of a demographic study on what their clients want, what their customers want. So we'll have to look at that. Uh, I'll definitely have to look at that and see how that played out and is that working for CVS. But that's one way, okay? That's one way of creating this purpose that is so big. If you want long-term strategy, create this purpose that is uh, more than just about profit. Uh, The second example, Verizon CEO Ivan Seidenberg spent $150 billion, wow, on building his wireless and broadband, broadband networks. He told his investors that his long-term goal was to create the industry's best products and services. He then picked a clear, easy-to-understand metric as a defining element of long-term growth. He chose market share growth because it provided strong evidence that consumers wanted his products to show his investors that his long-term strategy was on track quarter after quarter, year after year. Wow. I love it when it says this. He picked clear, easy-to-understand, a clear easy to understand metric as defining as a defining element of long-term growth, okay? He chose market share growth. That's great. 
Okay. Our third example, Sir George Buckley, CEO of 3M, created a culture where people felt they were not only supported by the executive team, but they also felt safe to take risks and fail. He did this by greenlighting R&D programs that his scientists and engineers had thought to be promising, but it sat on the shelf during the previous regime, encouraging them to take big risks and notably not punishing them for failure. That's amazing. I love that culture. Take the risk that you need, right? You've got all these scientists here, uh, these brilliant people. Is it scientists or I'm reading this wrong? Yeah, scientists and engineers. They're brilliant people. Uh, but they have to put all these, you know, these, these uh, experiments on, on the shelf because obviously they had a leader who was a lot more uh, insecure in terms of leadership. Uh, and this new leader comes in and says, no, take these off the shelf. Go for it. Okay, and we're not going to punish you for failure. Take big risk. Buckley showed his employees that he had a plausible and defensible uh, dream for 3M's future and followed through with actions that showed him he believed in the dream. Over his tenure, Buckley grew the share of new products that had been launched in the previous five years from 8% of sales to 34% of sales. Isn't that incredible? Because they were supported in taking risk. They were supported in failing. Right. And we're not talking about stupid failures. Right. And there's such thing. Some people might disagree with me, but there are such things as stupid failures. But, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about taking risks that could potentially grow the bottom line, grow the profit margins of the company. And sometimes in taking those risks, you're going to fail. So there we go. We have one CEO banned cigarette sales. Another one spent 150 billion on, you know, on, on building his wireless and broadband networks. And uh, he chose market share growth. As, um, as evidence of what the customers wanted. And then Sir uh, George Buckley created a culture where people felt that they were not only supportive, but they felt safe to take risks and to fail big. This is how you create a long-term strategy. No one's going to be thinking long-term if they're constantly getting in trouble for short-term. No one's going to be thinking long-term if there's not a bigger purpose outside of just making that next dollar, that next quarterly earning statement right? This is very important. A large purpose and allow people to fail uh, big and take big risks, right? Towards the aim of the organization. Not stupid risks, not stupid failures, but, but allow people to step up and take certain risks that will help them on their own uh, journey and will potentially help the company. There are probably many stories. I know there are. I don't have any right now, but there are many stories of people who have taken big risks and they have uh, uh, failed and failed and failed and failed and failed, but then they create something and it helps the company to grow. It helps the bottom line to grow, whatever that is. So it's more about that culture, right? Long-term thinking means we're going to take bigger risk. And sometimes we might fail in the process. So you get the idea of what I'm talking about here, right? So these are nano tools, right? Create a purpose, translate that purpose into a long-term business strategy, formulate metrics that have to do with long-term strategy, just not the near-term near -term financial performance, and then foster a culture that always focuses on long-term profitable growth to make sure your long-term strategy is well executed. That's all I got for you today. Long-term thinking, keep it in the back of your mind. I'll see you on the next episode of JC Talks, the Leadership Podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we offer episodes just like this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to my podcast, JC Talks, a leadership podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your podcast and be the first to get new episodes three times every week. I'll see you soon.